For you that may not know, my name is David Blackburn. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my honor this morning to be able to preach on Father's Day. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that you're our Heavenly Father. We are grateful, Lord, for all that you've done for us throughout the years, your love and your mercy and your grace. Most of all, Lord, you've forgiven us time and time again. Thank you for Jesus, your son, who went to the cross and died for us and made it possible for us to call you Father. Now, Lord, I just pray you'd open the ears of our hearts to receive today what you have for us. Touch my humble lips, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Father's Day, dads. I saw you standing. Man, what a great group of dads. Our day's finally here. Amen. A six-year-old boy was asked to define Father's Day, and he said, it's just like Mother's Day, except you don't spend as much money on the present. (laughs) You're laughing, but wait this afternoon when the presents are passed out. We dads are glad that our day is here, even if you don't spend as much on us as you did mom. Okay, we're glad. In all seriousness, we're to honor our fathers not because it's a holiday or a tradition, but because God said so. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. He said, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother... Things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. There's a difference between obeying and honoring. To obey means to do as one is told. To honor, on the other hand, means to respect and love. These verses from Paul. Remind us that children are to obey while under their parents' care. But the responsibility that children have to honor their fathers and mothers is for a lifetime, my friends. Three men drove to a lumber yard in their pickup truck. One of the men went inside and said, we need some four-by-twos. And the clerk looked at him kind of funny and said, you mean two-by-fours, don't you? And he said, well, I'll go check. So he went back to the truck. He returned a few minutes later, and he said, yeah, I'm at two befores. The clerk then asked him, well, how long do you need them? And the customer paused for a moment and had a really blank look on his face, and he said, I better go check, and he went back out to the pickup truck. After a while, he comes back into the store, and he said, We need them a long time because we're going to build a house. (laughs) Now, that's not a house I want to live in. And I'm not so sure that on the side of that truck said the Three Stooges Construction Company. (laughs) But do you realize that all of us are builders in some form or another? Most of us don't work with four by twos or two befores, but we do live and work and interact with people. 
And the greatest building we're ever going to be a part of is in regards to people. And fathers, whether you realize it or not, you're the general contractor of your home. And you're in the building business when it comes to your precious children. You're influencing them every day of their lives. And hopefully, that influence is for God and His kingdom. We see the power of influence in the Old Testament character, Joshua. In Joshua chapter 24, we see his final speech to the Israelite people before his death. As you know the story, he had been Moses' successor, and he had led the people in taking over the promised land. And Joshua had been a great leader, and his life had influenced millions of people. And in this famous passage, Joshua put out a challenge to the people to choose who they would serve. He writes, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Now, dads, I want you to read this last line with me, just the dads. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Can I hear an amen? In taking a definite and bold stand for the Lord, Joshua displayed his spiritual leadership. Regardless of what others decided, Joshua made a commitment to serve God, and he was willing to use his power of influence to see others make that same decision. And dads, we must never forget that the proper use of our God-given influence in our homes will help foster our children's commitment to serve God. Someone has said the prerequisites for being a good father are taking responsibility like a man, thinking like a man, acting like a man, and working like a man. I would like to add that being a good father takes men who say what they mean and mean what they say. I found an article just about that, talking about men don't always say what they mean. When a man says, take a break, honey, you're working too hard, he means, I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. (laughs) None of you guys, I know. When a man says, that's interesting, dear, he means, are you still talking? (laughs) When a man says, can I help with dinner? He means, why isn't it ready yet? When a man says, you look terrific, dear, he means, oh, please, don't try on one more dress. We're late and I'm hungry. I want to talk to the dads this morning who mean what they say and say what they mean. Today, June 15th, 
2014, we're involved in a war. And the battleground isn't in some foreign country like Afghanistan. What's at stake isn't our American way of life or our freedoms. I believe it's much more important than that. The spiritual lives of our children are at stake. It's a critical war for our children's spiritual lives, no matter what their age. And it's one where we seem to be losing. There was an article in USA Today about a survey that gave these statistical facts. It said 7 in 10 Protestant young adults who went to church regularly in high school quit attending church by age 23. 7 in 10. And here are some reasons why those young adults cited for dropping out and dropping away from the church and, and turning their back on God. Number one was they moved to college. Another one was they said they were too busy. Another one said they were tied up with work, wanted a break from church. And then this one really hit me. It caused me to examine my interaction with people and young people in our church. They found church members judgmental and hypocritical. As tragic as this is, and I believe it's tragic... Other times in history have been similar. After Joshua's last speech to the Israelites, we read this in the book of Judges. And I want you to follow along on the screen because I'm going to read out of the Word of God. It's a long passage. And it's easier for me just to read as you follow along. Now, Joshua sent the people of Israel home. So each family went to take possession of the territory they had inherited. The people served the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and throughout the lifetimes of the leaders who had outlived him and who had seen all the spectacular works the Lord had done for Israel. The Lord's servant Joshua, son of Nun, died at the age of 110. He was buried at Timnath Hears within the territory he had inherited. This was in the mountains of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. That whole generation had joined their ancestors in death. So another generation grew up after them. They had no personal experience with the Lord or with what he had done for Israel. The people of Israel did what the Lord considered evil. They began to serve other gods, the Baals. The Israelites abandoned the Lord God of their ancestors, the God who brought them out of Egypt. They followed the other gods of the people around them. They worshipped these gods and made the Lord angry. They abandoned the Lord to serve the god Baal and the goddess Astarte. Once Joshua and his generation died off from the scene, the next generation turned their back on God and they began to worship the false gods of all the people who lived around them. The Israelites' problem was that each generation failed to teach the next generation to love and follow God. 
that on my screens, but I want to stop. That's why I'm so excited about Vacation Bible School. That's why I'm so excited about the zone. I'm so excited about Wednesday night youth. I'm so excited about the new building. Because it won't be said of Faith Fellowship that we didn't make every effort to reach the next generation for Jesus. Can I hear an amen? According to this passage, this intergenerational teaching was to be the very center of God's law. These are the commands, the decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them, that's grandchildren, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. In our day, the next generation doesn't even wait for mom and dad to pass off the scene. They're checking out. They're turning their backs on God at an alarming rate. We live in a culture that encourages them to do this. And it approves when they reject God and his truth. From the courts, to the schools, to the media, it's okay to ridicule and put down all that is holy and sacred, including Jesus Christ and those who are trying to follow him. See, yes, there is a battle going on all over America in homes like yours and homes like mine. And whether you like it or not, Dad, you're on the front lines. And God is asking you to step up and enlist in the fight for saving your children's spiritual lives. Might I add, grandfathers, you're in the loop here too. Before they went into the promised land, God told the people, to obey him and love him and to teach their families that he was to be number one in every area of their lives. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. God had told the people that their commitment to him would give their families advantages of provision and protection that no other nation experienced. And dads, I believe that same promise is available today. And those provisions of protection are available for you and your family today in the year 2014. Now, by contrast, if we fathers and grandfathers don't make God the top priority in our families, it's possible to set up our families for failure. I came across this list that I want to share with you to help us consider the idea of priority. 
And let me prepare you. I didn't compile this list, but I thought it's a list that we should hear. But I do hope you have your steel-toed shoes on. The list is entitled, Top 10 Ways to Turn Off Your Kids to Church. Number 10, always schedule personal or family events to conflict with church services or activities. Number 9, don't get too close to anyone in church. Don't develop relationships with Christians, lest your children learn the joy and benefits of fellowship with other believers. Number 8, Look often at your watch during worship and look annoyed when the service lasts longer than you think it should. Number seven, tithe and financially support your church and its missions with the same enthusiasm as when you pay income taxes. Number six, do the best you can to make sure your kids arrive on time to sports practice and school events, but don't worry if they miss or are late to church. Number five on the top ten ways to turn off your kids to church. Bring your family to church only when A, you have nothing better to do, or B, you have a personal need, or C, you feel guilty. Number four, don't volunteer for anything or make any kind of long-term commitment at church. Remember to keep your options open to do things that are more important. Number three, Change churches every few years. Number two, remind your children how imperfect the church leaders are and regularly point out their mistakes, especially on the way home from church. And number one of the top ten ways to turn off your kids to church, whatever you do, don't let your church influence the way you live your life. Dads? If God doesn't have first place in our lives, in our homes, then we can be putting our family and our children in jeopardy of failing. And I don't believe any dad here wants that. How do we structure our family life so that God comes in first in our priorities? One of the themes of this Deuteronomy 6 is that the people of God are to live out their faith all the time, not just on the day of worship. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder Inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes and on your city gates. I like that version from the Amplified Bible. The Message Bible, excuse me. Dads, God is telling us here not to make our faith just a once a week thing on Sunday morning. Your children need to see how much you honor and love God every day of the week. Church attendance is important, and we thank you for being here. The zone is important, and your kids thank you for bringing them here. Youth service on Wednesday night is mightily important, and they're growing and doing some wonderful things. And all of these 
are like the ingredients in a pie or a cake. They're intended to help reinforce your daily efforts with your children in your own home under your own roof. The worship services and the church activities can't do your faith for you. Someone has said, loving God doesn't come naturally. And most of us would say, amen. But it must be taught. And the family is the ideal place to teach the love of God. So dads, here's the question. Are you teaching your children spiritual values in your homes? Dads, do you realize that no one can live out your faith for you when it comes to your children? The writer of Deuteronomy assumes that spiritual values are going to be learned in the family. And he assumes those values are going to be caught as much as they are taught in the daily routines of life, getting up, going to bed, getting up, going to bed, and everything in between. So how do you do that? We learn from these verses that because we live out our faith 24-7, we must be willing to spend some of that time with our children. Duh. You know that, don't you? A Pew Research study found that fathers spend four times as many hours per week in leisure activities such as watching TV and sports than they do in child care activities with their own children. Four times as many hours. And fathers, can we do what God asks us to do for our children if we spend four times as much time in leisure activities as we do with our sons and our daughters. A famous pastor once said that he chose to fail so he could succeed. He said, I chose to fail at golf because I wanted to succeed as a father. Though he loved to play golf, he knew that he could never devote adequate time to his job as a pastor, his hobby as golf, and his family. So he gave up his hobby of golf for more time with his family. He chose to fail so he could succeed. Dads, do you want to know what's important in your life? All you got to do is look at your schedule. I don't know what your schedule is. You do. What's important to you is where you're devoting your time and you're scheduling your life. And many dads' schedules say they love their jobs and they love their hobbies and they love their entertainment. And I want you to hear me this morning. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. If you ask most fathers if they love their children, they would assure you that they do. But their time allocation doesn't always match up with what they say. Some dads try to justify themselves and say, 
Well, you know, the time they spend with their children is what? Quality time over quantity time. And I think most children feel the same way this 10-year-old girl does who was asked by her dad if she wanted quality time with him or she wanted quantity time with him. And she replied, quality time, Dad, and lots of it. Maybe she didn't know the difference between the words, but she had it right on. And that's what your children want too, Dad. Dad's the way you spend your time reveals the priorities in your life. And if you want to win the spiritual war for your children, you've got to invest both quality and quantity time with them. We also learn from this passage, one of the things we need to do in our time with our sons and daughters is talk to them. What a novel idea. This says we're to get God's teaching inside of them by talking about those teachings. Dads, you need to be involved in your children's lives by your conversations with them. Talk to them about God and what he means to you personally. Talk to them about what you're reading and learning from the Bible and your devotional time. Talk to your children about how God has answered prayer in your life and in the life of your family. And don't forget to pray with them. Pray with them at mealtime, at bedtime. Pray with them when they've got a big test at school that you know has got them all on edge. Before they try out for the team or cheerleading, pray with them. There's no occasion, there's nothing going on in your children's life that doesn't need some prayer. Pray with your children. You need to share with your children what Jesus has done for you. So communicate and interact with your children and let them know about God and the Bible. Use the words of your mouth to tell your children stories about God. And not only the kind they can read in a good children's devotional book or Bible, but especially the God stories that only you can tell them about your faith walk and your experiences with God's goodness and faithfulness in your life. They want to hear that. And they desperately need you, Dad, to tell them those things. Before he ever became a father, we read what God had in mind for Abraham. God says, I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Now, dads, you and I both know that God isn't going to use us the way he used Abraham, who became the founder of the Jewish nation. But I do believe God wants you and me to see where we fit in these verses, and we do fit. 
God will remind all of us dads today that he chose us in a divine, sovereign way to be our children's father. And I want you to insert your name there where it says him in reference to Abraham. And we're going to do it together. So where it says, for I have chosen him in reference to Abraham many, many years ago. I want you to put your name right there. For I have chosen David. Say it, come on. For I have chosen out loud. Come on, guys, wake up. For I have chosen. You're thinking about all those presents you're going to get this afternoon. (laughs) Why did he choose us, men? He chose us to direct our children to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just according to God. No one can do that for you like you can do it. Now where it says his children, I want you to put your children's names there, okay? You got the thing about, you know what your name is, right? I think some of you need to ask your wife, what's my name? But you know your children's names, I know that. So softly together, I want your dads to softly say the names of your children, no matter what their age. So I'm going to say my two kids' names, and you say along with me. I'm going to say Laura and Luke. Come on, let's say it together. The names of our children, Laura and Luke. If it takes you five or six minutes, that's okay. We'll wait for you. We direct and teach our children through the time we spend with them and the words we speak to them. The third way we do this is through the example of our godly lives. I could have just said lives there, but I intentionally wanted to use the word godly because I believe that's what every man in this place wants to be, a godly man. You're not already there. You're striving to be that man. The, bl- the band played a song that I went to Tom just a few days ago and asked him about this song, and of course they can always do it. I mean, again, thank you, band. The Christians saw a group by the name of Phillips, Craig, and Dean, kind of an older group, but they have great songs, and such a moving song. And one of the members of that trio wrote this song when his son was very young, as he thought about the responsibility he had as a Christian father with that son of his. Lord, I want to be just like you, because he wants to be just like me. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you, because he wants to be like me. And let me say here that it's in reference to boys, but girls want to be like their dads too, and they want a man like their dad. So let's don't forget the girls in that song. As a father of a 29-year-old daughter and a 27-year-old son, I've made more mistakes than I can count in trying to be the godly example I wanted to be for those two kids. 
And let me tell you, the years get away pretty quickly. And maybe I'm not the only dad here this morning that uh, has made some mistakes with his children. But here's what I know is true for, for me and for some of you guys that would say, yeah, I understand that, Pastor David. God forgives us dads when we stumble and fail with our children. And he helps us make the necessary changes to, to get up and get back on the right path with them. A little boy's mother caught him swearing. And she waited until her husband got home to, uh, to confront him with his actions. And she said, young man, where did you learn to talk that way? The boy turned and looked at his dad and said, well, dad, should I tell her? Dads, what kind of example are you setting for the children in your family? Your allocation of time and your words say some things about you, yes. But the way you're living your life declares who you really are. We should never forget that the way we live our lives will have a direct reflection on how our children will grow up. And I want to repeat that. We should never forget, fathers and mothers, may I just bring you in here too, that the way we live our lives will have a direct reflection on how our children will grow up. Dads, are you fighting this spiritual war for those children God has entrusted to you with the godly example of your lives? Three sixth grade boys were debating whose father was the best. If you're a guy, you know that happens once in a while. To prove their point, they started discussing, you know, who their fathers knew. The first boy claimed that his father knew the mayor. The second boy said, well, that's nothing. My dad knows the governor. Third boy shot back and said, so what? My dad knows God. It really doesn't matter, men, who you know in this life. You may be connected to the highest echelons of business, government, you may be on the very top rung of your profession. And I would say it doesn't matter as much as do you know God or not. Could your son or daughter say the same thing about you, Dad? My prayer for all the dads in this place and all the grandfathers in this place, that your children your grandchildren will always be able to say, my dad, my grandpa, knows God. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you this morning that even though some of us have failed with our kids, we've made mistakes in our time, in our conversations, in the example of our lives, you're a God that forgives. You're a God that restores. You're a God that redeems. And I pray for any father that's estranged with his children today. Maybe they've gone through a divorce, a separation. Maybe they've gotten older and just turned their back on dad. Lord, I pray for reconciliation. I pray that love will flow again. And the channels of communication will be opened. Lord, we thank you that you've privileged us with being dads. I can't think of anything greater in the world to do and to be as a dad. We thank you that you love us, that you help us. Now, Lord, help us, I say, I pray, to be the dads you want us to be, not only today, but tomorrow and the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.